Welcome to the Free Oakley Podcast. This is your host, Billy Johnson. So there's a lot of weird content out there these days. And it's across everything. It's across the internet, social media. I wanted to start tonight's episode just recapping this whole Suns Nuggets thing. I'm sure a lot of you saw this. There's the, the Suns and Four guy. So there's a viral video of a fan fight from the Suns Nuggets game four elimination game. And you see these things all the time. They're all over the internet. I mean, some of these stadiums are like war zones, you know, in terms of the the fighting that goes on in the stands. So this one, you know, I think it's whatever. It's a, it's a fan fight, right? It's Nuggets versus Suns fans. And this one was, was, was really interesting. So this is a dude in a Charles Barkley Jersey winds up kind of manhandling two guys in Nuggets gear. So the, the Suns guy comes out on top. At one point, he looks like he's really pummeling one dude. And then as he's holding that guy, he you know throws a haymaker at the other guy. So this is like a legit, this is like a legit punches being thrown. Dudes are getting smashed. And he holds up his four fingers. He's like, Suns in four, Suns in four. And you know, that was the viral video. Now, fast forward over the next couple days, this thing becomes this thing becomes big. This guy gets interviewed on Barstool. He's on Portnoy's show. He gets tickets from the Suns. I think he's actually courtside or, or he's really low, you know, at, at one of the next games. And, you know, he's being, you know, he gets a lot of interviews. Fans are taking pictures with him. He's like a, he's like an, a weird internet slash social media celebrity as a result of this. And it's weird to me that like the Suns are kind of recognizing this or they're celebrating this, like, this is a legit fight in this in the stands. So that's the that's the Sons and Four guy. Now I was just, you know, perusing YouTube today and I noticed, you know, in that same in that same section where there was videos of the Sons and Four guy, there was an interview on some other platform. So it's the other kid, the Nuggets guy, and he's a pretty young guy. He looks like he's maybe like early 20s. He's being interviewed. In, on a YouTube thing and it's basically him and another guy and it's another pretty young kid and, and he's interviewing him and they're like let's hear the other side of the story and this Nuggets guy uh and he like three watches I think he's like the three watch guy from the Nuggets fans and he you know he's talking about him getting you know he's like it, it wasn't that bad I didn't really get hit and meanwhile the guy just gets annihilated in this video but he's like it's not that bad and meanwhile this whole time he's being interviewed he's he's smoking a blunt with the with the, uh, the guy who's interviewing him. They're both smoking a blunt together. And they've got like solo cups on the ground. And they're just sitting in fold-out chairs facing each other. So that's like another, I don't know, that's like a web series or it's like another type of pod, you know, televised podcast. So it's just weird that, I mean, I don't know. Is, is this weird to anyone else? Like the, where society is headed? I mean, I, this is obviously a separate, separate topic. I'm not going to get into all that here. But I mean, I just don't get it. I don't get any of this stuff. I mean... Maybe it's because I didn't have a cell phone till I <laughs> graduated college, but this to me is just not entertainment, and it's weird that it's just getting celebrated all over the place, and it and it's becoming content. It's like it, you know, it's a, and it's available content. But anyway, it made me feel less weird about doing a podcast myself. You know, there's it feels like there's a place for free Oakley out there, so I'm gonna roll with it for now. So anyway, let's get to the let's get to the meat of this today, guys. Um, you know, I've, it's July 1st, we're heading into July 4th weekend. Um, it's been a few weeks since the last podcast I've, I've stepped away for a bit. I was totally engrossed in the 
NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. The Knicks and Isles had playoff runs. Like I said last time, this was like a Yeti siding. Knicks and, and the Islanders were in the playoffs at the same time. Let's start with the Knicks. I was very overexcited about them. And you know what? They hadn't made the playoffs in eight years, so let, let me be excited about the Knicks, okay? And, you know, I haven't seen anything. No one's won anything for me, so let me be excited. I'm going to get excited in this podcast. I'm going to be irrational, and I'm going to get excited about dumb stuff. So, Knicks, we we knew they were a couple guys away from, from really making a push, uh, but it was fun to see them in the playoffs. They lost to the Hawks in five, which is, you know, the first so first two games were, were close. Knicks lost the first game very close. Second one, they won. Um, and look where the Hawks are. They're, you know, they're playing the Bucks tonight in game five, and they're they're two wins away from the NBA final. So maybe the Hawks aren't that bad. And so, but the whole experience for me was just incredible. Um, that was my first home Knicks playoff game. Like I said, I went to game two. That was the game that they won. And it was like a complete religious experience. Uh, it was it was just wild. So this was, like I said, it was game two. The COVID restrictions had kind of lifted. There was ninety percent capacity. It, you know, it was a Wednesday night in the, at MSG. The place was just going bananas the whole time. You know, we were dying for a dying for a win, and we got one. But it was it was crazy. It had it wasn't like anything I'd really experienced before, like an MSG playoff crowd. The whole second half, nobody sat down. Everybody was standing. Everybody was into every play. And I wasn't like sitting in the, you know, in, up up top or anything. I, I was sitting in the hundreds. I went with a buddy, and we wound up sitting in different sections. I couldn't get two seats together, so I wound up sitting by myself. And just everybody was just into every play. Everyone's standing the whole second half. People are talking. People are like just talking about loud about you know this play, who should come in. Good shot, bad shot, defense. It was just wild. Um, like I said, I was by myself. The guy next to me was by himself. We obviously became best friends during this whole during this whole experience. So we had a moment. Irvin, I know you're out there, man. I hope you're listening to Free Oakley. And so, like I said, the the MSG experience was crazy. After the game, people are spilling out onto Seventh Avenue, standing on cars, dancing, chanting. You know, it, it was it was it was it was great, and it was, you know, it was a combination of like COVID ending, kind of ending, right? Like you know, things kind of getting back to normal. It was a it was a blast, and the thing that it, you know reminded me of that MSG experience is all those years I've spent at Nassau Coliseum, which, unfortunately, the Islanders' run came to a halt last Friday night at the hands of the Lightning, the defending champs. So the Islanders lose for the second consecutive year in the Eastern Conference Finals, or in this case, it was the Conference Finals. They lost in seven. They lost a heartbreaker, one nothing. I mean, the series was just incredible. I went to the Coliseum for uh, game four of the Bruin series, which was the, the Conference semifinal, and then I went to Lightning game three. So, I mean, the Coliseum, anyone who's been to the Coliseum knows what type of crowd you're getting there. And – it's just been an incredible run for the Islanders, not only this year but last year too. They last they lost last year in the conference finals as well to to Tampa. So Tampa really has their number, but you know Tampa is up two zero against Montreal, which is tough to see because it felt like the Islanders were right there. They were right there, but you know what? What a run! And the most important thing here is that the Islanders are actually relevant again, and it has been a really long time since they've been a relevant 
franchise. It's been forever since they've been relevant in New York. I want to break it down. Let's go. Let's let's do the Islanders' history, and that's where I wanted to to focus on tonight. So, think about this, right? The Islanders. Everyone knows there was a dynasty. So let's let's start there. 1980, 81, 82, 83. Islanders win four Stanley Cups in a row. This is the last professional sports team in North America. So we're talking the big four, basketball, baseball, football, hockey. The last professional sports team to win four championships in a row. Not the Lakers, not the Yankees, not the Celtics. This is the Islanders. The New York Islanders won four in a row and are still are the last team to do that. And go to 1984, they lose in the finals going for their fifth Stanley Cup. They lost in the drive for five. So they almost won five Stanley Cups in a row. They lost to – they beat Edmonton to win their fourth cup, and then they lost in the rematch in 1984. Quick sidebar, you know, diehard Islanders fan. A couple years ago, I went to Islanders Oilers at the Barclays Center weeknight with my dad. And we were just under the luxury boxes. And this game goes into overtime. And right before, like just as overtime starts, at the box right above us, none other than Wayne Gretzky, the great one, kind of pops his head out. And he's standing around and he gets like noticed by the crowd. He hadn't been noticed all night. And people are just going wild. Like, oh my God, Wayne Gretzky's here. Like, how do we not know this? And so he's sitting, I'm probably like, I'm probably like, 15, 20 feet from Gretzky. He's a little bit higher than me because he's in the box, but I'm in like the first row below a couple, like one section over. It gets, you know, they're about, to, you know, they drop the puck. There's a stoppage. It's it's now a, a face-off in the Islanders end. Right before the puck drops, I yell out, Gretzky, you got owned in 83. I'm not even kidding. Within five seconds, the puck drops. Connor McDavid scores. Oilers win, beat the Islanders in OT. So lesson learned there. Never heckle the great one. Now, okay, so now back to the Islanders, right? So the next, so they they win the four cups, they lose in the fifth. And then after that, from 85 to 90, they they make the playoffs about you know five times over those years. Those are the posts, you know, some of the guys from the cups are still hanging around, but you know, the transition to Pat LaFontaine. LaFontaine is like the best player on the team. He was kind of my, my guy growing up, my favorite player. Now, fast forward to 93, right? This is the team that I really remember. 1993, this was epic. Islanders go, they're back. They go to the Final Four. They go to the semifinals. They wind up losing to the Montreal Canadiens, who won the Stanley Cup that year. But that run was epic. That first series was, was against the Washington Capitals. The infamous Dale Hunter game where he knocks out Pierre Turgeon, knocks him out of the out of the next series against the Penguins. It's just one of those legendary, legendary games, legendary series. The Dale Hunter series. Next one, Islanders Penguins. Penguins are back-to-back champs at this time. And Islanders don't have their best player, Turgeon, who just got knocked out by Dale Hunter in the previous series. And the Islanders are expected to get totally rolled by the Penguins. This is juggernaut. Lemieux, Yager, Francis, uh, Recky, right? All, all those guys. And the Islanders miraculously win in overtime of game seven, the David Bollock in overtime, which was, you know, I remember watching that in, in the in the basement of my house in Baldwin. 
Um, it was like, you know, I think I was in, you know, freshman in high school and that was, that was incredible. And that, and that was when I really started to, you know, develop that like diehard passion for the Islanders. That series was incredible. That was such a Cinderella team. Um, my dad took me to at least one of the games against Pittsburgh. I was at the, the Tom Fitzgerald game where he scored two shorthanded goals against the Penguins. We were literally in the last row of the, of the Coliseum. And, you know, that was like, those are the days where, you know, my dad and I would drive around, we listen to the Islanders on the radio, listen to the playoff games, watched, you know, totally locked in. Um, so now, you know, so now I'm like, you know, now, now I'm in it, right? They lose, heartbreaker. Next year, they make the playoffs, get totally annihilated by the Rangers. Rangers win the cup that year, 1994. Disaster for any Islander fan, right? Rangers not only beat them, they win the Stanley Cup. Now, what happens after that? is where things get really interesting, right? And not in a good way. So from 95 to 2001, they're like the worst team in hockey. They're just totally, totally bottom of the barrel, like embarrassing. This is the fish stick era where they had the fisherman jerseys. They had the whole thing where they had a guy who was a complete crook who had no money faked out the league and faked out the, the whole organization. And this guy bought the Islanders, John Spano. He bought the Islanders with, with nothing. And somehow this trade kept on for a while. And he, he was kind of the, he was the owner of the Islanders. I had no money. And then it came out and it was, Islanders were even a bigger laughing stock. This was well-documented in the Kevin Connolly 30 for 30 big shot. Kevin Connolly, you know, from Entourage E. He's like, he's our number one celebrity fan. Kevin Conley is like the Jack Nicholson of the Islanders. Spike Lee for the Islanders. He, he, he's our guy. Ralph Macchio is like the 1B. So our, our two main fans, celebrity fans, are Ralph Macchio and, and E from Entourage. So dark era, right? So that – after the Spano thing, so they wind up you know transitioning the team. Two guys buy the team, Charles Wing and Sanjay Kumar. Now – Sanjay Kumar, at some point, not too long after he buys the Islanders, he was tied up in some sort of uh, some fraud with computer associates, does 10 years in prison. And the other guy, Charles Wang, owns the team until the transfer to Ledecky. So he owns Wang owns a team from like 2000 to like 2018. And this guy, you know, one of his big ideas was to have a sumo wrestler play goalie. So these are the people that are that are running the Islanders. And so from now 2002 to 2016, they're like one and done six times. So they make the playoffs, which is like, oh, that's a big deal. Islanders made the playoffs. They've been a complete laughing stock for, for almost a decade. They make the playoffs, but they lose in the first round every year. There's, you know, they didn't really have much going for them. And they finally win a playoff series in 2016. So think about that right? It took them 23 years to win a playoff series. And this isn't, I mean, that's out of control. This is a team that won four Stanley Cups in a row. This is a legitimate dynasty. Like you should be talking about the Islanders in the, in the same vein, in the same context as the, the Lakers, the Yankees, the Celtics. Like this was a real dynasty, a real deal, a real deal championship team. They lost in the fifth one. They almost had five Stanley Cups, right? And they're basically they go into witness protection for for twenty five years. So I don't think the Islanders get enough credit for their for their you know their history. 
you know, because they because of this dark era of 25 years of just being terrible. So it takes them 23 years to even even win a playoff series, right? So let's recap. Who, who's in charge of the Islanders at this time? Spano, criminal. Kumar, legit criminal. Both these guys are in jail. Wang, the sumo wrestler guy. Those are the owners, right? And we, we've talked in the in the other pods about bad owners. Dolan, the worst owner of all time. See, see, you know, the Wilpons were, were terrible until they, they sold to, to Stevie Cohen. When you have bad owners, just bad stuff happens. And it's it's really tough to break that break that cycle of just being perpetually awful. So Islander is bad for this whole time. Let's look at the front office and some of the coaches. Garth Snow was the GM from 2006 to 2018. And for those of you who don't remember Snow, Snow was an NHL goalie. He was the goalie of the Islanders in 2005. Wang tosses him the keys to be the GM the year after he retires. That was one of the weirdest things that even happened in this whole stretch. Apparently Garth Snow, he went to Maine. Apparently he has like a business degree from Maine and like wowed Charles Wang with some like PowerPoint presentation over while he was a player being like, oh, here's how we should run the team. Wang's like, all right, let's give this guy a shot. 12 years later, you know, he's got one playoff series to show for it, uh, playoff win. So, you know, and Wang, I mean, bad owners, right? I get maybe you want to give this guy a shot, but you let him run the team for 12 years with zero background and zero experience. I mean, come on. And, I, you know, my friends know how much I, I loathe Gar Snow. Like, he's got some hits, sure, but I think there's plenty of misses. And and there's just no success. There's no success. So there's nothing to be proud about there. And look at the coaches, right? Jack Capuano, he was a coach for, for a pretty good stretch there under Snow. I mean, this guy's a minor league coach. Now he's like an assistant for the Senators, and they're terrible. And then Doug Waite was a coach for the last couple of years. Doug Waite's not even in hockey right now, and neither is Snow. So these guys are involved in the organization for years. They leave the Islanders. They can't even get hired. They're not even involved in the NHL. So when you have bad people in charge of things, things go, things don't go well, right? And luck finally changes in 2018. Finally, finally, Wayne gets rid of the team and, and he sells to John Ledecky. And John Ledecky is the current owner, of the, the current co-owner. And what does he do? He goes out and gets Lou Lamorello to be the general manager. Now, Lou Lamorello is an all-time hockey icon. This guy, I mean, let's, you know, let's start with Lou, right? The guy is a fellow Providence Friar like myself. So the guy's obviously awesome. He was the head coach of the Providence hockey team from 1968 to 1983. He basically helps create the Hockey East, which is like one of the main power conferences in, in college hockey. They play for the Lamorello Trophy every year. And Lou goes from the uh, Providence head coach of the hockey team. He becomes the athletic director at the team. One of his first moves as an athletic director, he hires Rick Pitino. Within four years, Providence basketball is in the final four. So Lou's got something going, right? Lou goes from Providence to the Devils and is the architect of those Devils teams that won three Stanley Cups in the late 90s and early 2000s. So the Devils were kind of an unheard of team that really hadn't had much sex success. Lou turns them around. They win three Stanley cups. Lou, Lou's an all time, all time hockey guy. Ledecky's like, I know where my strengths are. I'm a successful guy. 
I don't know how to run a hockey team. Why don't I get the best guy to run the Islanders? Now we have Lou. Lou's first move is, I mean, obviously Doug Waite's not the guy. Let's get rid of him. Let's bring in a coach who's out there. Lou hires Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz had just come off winning the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals the year before. And Trotz just happens to be the third winningest coach in NHL history. So you see where I'm headed with this? You know, this is the adults in the room, you know. Any, I think the, the formula is simple. Any sort of bar, investment bank, salon, hockey team are, are, are driven and, and are successful when they have successful, talented people driving, driving the boat, driving the bus, you know. So, you know, the, the, the formula is simple. Islanders finally get some real adults in the room to start making the decisions over the franchise. And the second thing Lou has to do, and this is where I think it really gets incredible. And it just goes to show how much, you know, ownership and front office and coaching that, that culture matters, right? One of the first things Lou has to do after the hiring of, of trots is make a decision on John Tavares. John Tavares was one of the draft picks from Snow. He was the first overall pick. And Tavares stuck around for nine years. He was the Islanders' captain. He was, I, you know, I think I think of talented Islanders and successful Islanders. While there's not many from the, the cup years till today, you know, over the last 25 years, as, you know, LaFontaine stands out. You know, Tavares, you know, is probably, a, a, you know, a Hall of Fame type of guy. You know, he spends nine years with the Islanders. He's kind of in his prime here. You know, what do you do? What do you do? Lou offers him an extension. He's a free, he's an unrestricted free agent. Lou offers an, ex, an extension. Tavares spurns the Islanders and he goes back to his hometown, Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, when that happened, the hockey community thought the Islanders were going to be dead in the water. Okay. They, you know, they won that playoff series in 20, 2016, the first one they won in 23 years. They followed that up with missing the playoffs twice, right? That, that was, you know, pre-trots, pre-Lou. Now they're losing Tavares. You know, the, you know, this team is headed in the wrong direction. You know, whatever, they have Lou and Trots, but this team's heading in the wrong direction. And that couldn't be further from what happened, right? Tavares winds up leaving and the rest of the, the core really steps up under the new culture of Lou and the system from Trotz. And in year one, under Trotz and Lou, Islanders, they, they make the playoffs. They win a series. So bang, first year, they win a series. They beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the bigger rivals. And then they go on to lose in the second round against Carolina. Year two, which is last year, they make it to the conference finals against the Lightning. And they lose in game six. Year three, they lose in game seven of the conference finals. So they're inching towards greatness again. They're inching towards a, being a championship caliber team. And that's because of the adults in the room, right? That's that's all Lou. That, that's all Barry. And credit to the players for coming together. And and you know, these a lot of these guys have played together for, for many years. So it's incredible to see. Now before, before we close out tonight, you know, I just want to give a shout out. You know, I'm, I'm going to miss the Coliseum. Nassau Coliseum is closing its doors. 
you know, it's uh, for better or for worse, man. I mean, that place, I love that place. I mean, the amenities are terrible, it's, but it's just got such a charm to it. And, you know, the place, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier, you know, the, the, um, the MSG being like a religious experience, the Coliseum is like that as well on Islander playoff games. And, you know, I, I grew up on Long Island, so it was part of my childhood. I'm going to miss the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I went to high school right across the street from there. I saw my first concert there. I saw Nine Inch Nails at Nassau Coliseum during the Downward, Downward, Spiral, tour, Downward Spiral Tour. Well, actually, my first show, in honesty, if I'm going to be fair here, was Jones Beach, which was Belle Bib DeVoe, Tony, 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 Color Me Bad, CNC Music Factory, too. So, uh, you know what, though? I'm not going to apologize for that. That show was awesome. Um, but yeah, Nine Inch Nails was my first like real show, though, when like, you know, didn't have to go with my parents or, you know, didn't have, you know, went unsupervised. Me and a buddy uh, went to that show. And, you know, over the next couple of years while I was in high school, saw Red Hot Chili Peppers there, saw Smashing Pumpkins there. So, you know, it felt cool to have like a big time venue in, in your hometown. And you could see like, you know, the big acts and you had an NHL team that was, you know, you know, like used to be a champ. So, you know, Coliseum was great. Um, the, the Coliseum experience converted my wife into being a hockey fan as well. I took her to one of those, those series um, against the Penguins. It was 2013. We went to one of the games and uh, it was just wild. She had never been, she had never seen anything like that before. And it was just, it was just bonkers. Uh, there was a fight near us <laughs> talking about, about stadium fights. This was a fight. Uh, two women got in, got into a brawl throwing punches at each other. Security came down, zip tied them, took them out. And we were sitting like 10 rows off the ice. This wasn't like up on, in the uppers, you know, you have women throwing down in the seats, you know, you know, so that, you know, the Coliseum was bananas. My, the, the craziest I've seen the Coliseum uh, was 2002. It was the Isles Maple Leafs game three. It was the first home game the Islanders had of that series. This was the first time the Islanders made the playoffs since that, that, you know, that 93, that those 94 teams. So the Islanders hadn't been in the playoffs in eight years, uh, similar to like my MSG thing. Uh, they hadn't been there in eight years and everyone was just buzzing and the, the place was just rocking place was just going nuts. You know, the whole time after the first intermission, I'm out, I, I come into the lobby and, and that's one of the, the all time, you know, great charms of the Coliseum was that it was just one level. Like you walk in through the main entrance, it's just one rotunda. And then when you, when you find your section, you go into the gate, you either go up the stairs or down the stairs. You're just one level. There's not, you're not going up any levels like you are at, at city field or, or Madison square garden or Barclays. You're just in one is one rotunda and that's where everybody has to hang out in between periods. So Again, this place is hopping and I'm against the wall in the rotunda. You could barely move like the place is packed. And my buddy from high school sells beer. He's a beer vendor and he's coming through the crowd. I see him kind of fighting through the crowd. Uh, we make eye contact. He's, he's getting closer to me. And somehow there was like a lull, like a, like a one second lull in the crowd. My buddy just reaches up, pulls out a butt heavy bottle and yells out to me, my buddy's a hero and hands me the beer. Now I should say that I was wearing a hard hat at the time. This was 2002. You know, I'm at the game with my dad. My dad worked at Verizon. My dad worked at Verizon for like 30 years and he worked down in lower Manhattan 
you know, and he did some work at, you know, Verizon had done some work at Ground Zero. So my dad had a hard hat from Ground Zero, you know, post 9-11. And, you know, there was 9-11 stickers on the hat and, you know, American flag draped off the back of it. So I'm wearing this thing. And my buddy walks by. My buddy's a hero. Hands me the beer. The crowd goes nuts. Everyone's chanting, cheering, yelling. I stone cold Steve Austin the beer. Waterfall the whole thing knock it down place goes even crazier people are walking by smacking me on the head high-fiving you know I'm, I'm obviously not a hero i'm a you know a drunk 22 year old pound of beers in the coliseum rotunda um but man it was that you know the coliseum was it was a was a once in a lifetime i think kind of place you know i'm excited for ubs and that'll be fun but i'm gonna miss the collie so let's end it there thanks guys for tuning in i'll catch you soon He said all those things I wouldn't have dared As I hung on every word I swear I could have been easier on you Daniela, I spent all those nights just thinking